Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Pitts Evans. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. Let's get right to the Word of God. As I mentioned in the last segment, Isaiah is often divided into two sections. Uh, the first section is chapter 1 through 39, which we just completed concerning the judgment of Israel and the judgment of the nations. And now we start the redemptive section of Isaiah, which focuses on restoration and redemption with many messianic uh, references. So listen as I read now Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all of their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord, or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge and showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales." He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all of the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom, then, will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker cast it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? 
Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host, one by one, and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and might, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, I hope you'll agree that's a very powerful chapter. It's multifaceted, but I want to focus on a couple of the nuggets within it. First, it's a prophetic mandate for comforting Israel. Comfort, comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her her sin has been paid for and uh, she's received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So this looks forward to a time where the Lord will speak uh, peace and comfort to his people, Israel, the Jewish people, for once and for all, a final comfort. And then that's immediately followed by a messianic promise that the New Testament quotes in all four Gospels as having spoken about John the Baptist. Uh, These are the words from Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be made level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now we have the advantage, friends, of the New Testament, which interprets that passage from Isaiah as um, being utilized in the ministry of uh, John the Baptist as he prepared the way for Jesus. So the prepare the way of the Lord is speaking according to the New Testament of Jesus. And um, Isaiah looked toward that day and said that the people of Israel would have their sins forgiveness. Their sins have been paid for, Isaiah said in verse 2. And so this um, this time of the, the payment for sins was coming, and it was fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus as proclaimed by John the Baptist. There's a number of words speaking about um, uh, the Lord. All people are grass, and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall 
but the word of our God endures forever. And so the Lord's promises, they will be kept, they will manifest in due season. Their references to the good news and the fact that uh, the Lord's mighty arm, uh, the Lord will rule in power with his mighty arm. Those may be messianic references to the, uh, the Lord Jesus as the arm of the Lord. This Lord will come like a shepherd. Again, we know that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So he may be referring to that. There are multifaceted descriptions of the majesty of our God. Uh, just a few of them. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand has marked off the heavens? So, of course, that can only be said of our God. Surely the nations are like a drop in the, in the bucket. Uh, they're regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands of the earth as though they were fine dust. I love that imagery. And before him, all the nations are as nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? And of course, there is no other God. There's no one to compare. Certainly no idol can compare. Verse 22 says, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Now, many have noted that this does away with the whole concept of the flat earth, the circle of the earth. He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And so it was there all along, even in the ages gone by, when people considered the earth to be flat. He brings princes to nothing and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. And the Lord says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these, he says? Who can bring out the starry host one by one and call forth each one by name? And of course, the answer is no God, but our God. Now, this chapter closes with one of my absolute favorite verses. I'll read a a verse or two going up to it. Uh, Verse 30, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And so in context, Isaiah was writing to a people who had been under siege by the Assyrians. They were surrounded by uh, adversaries. Israel was not in its heyday at this point in time. Uh, It was waning in terms of power and influence. But the Lord says, even young people grow tired, even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, Israel, those who hope in the Lord, you friend that you're listening to this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Instead of hope in the Lord, the King James says, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. I want to just pause for a second. I don't get into language studies much in these messages, but this one bears mentioning. The word that is translated as wait in wait on the Lord in King James and the word that is translated as uh, hope in the NIV is really a, a word that is an active word. If you read the King James and said, um, those who wait on the Lord to yourself, that means just to sit here and wait till the Lord does something, they would renew their strength. You actually would miss the point. And if you read hope, you would not get all of the picture that the Lord is trying to convey either. 
Although it is true, those who open the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But the word actually is an active word. It means that those who wrap themselves in the Lord, those who bind themselves to the Lord actively, aggressively pursuing the Lord, those are the ones who will renew their strength. They are the ones who will soar on wings like eagles. These are the ones who will run and not grow weary. These are the ones who will walk and not be faint. So friends, we need to be active in our pursuit of the Lord, not passively waiting on him to do something. While nothing seems to be happening to our our liking or to our benefit, we need to be aggressively pursuing the God of our faith. The one that Isaiah says is the one who will shepherd us. The one that Isaiah tells us that he's the one who makes the mountains low. He's the one that fills in every valley. He's the one that all people will see when they look for God's salvation. And so, Lord, we recognize that we need you. We want to wait on you in the way that your scripture intends, actively pursuing you, aggressively desiring to know you. And Lord, we know that you're in pursuit of us long before we pursue you. Help us, Lord, to reciprocate and respond. May we respond to you in love and may you come back in love and back and forth, deep calling to deep all the way until that great day when we stand before you and see you as you really are. Lord, there is no God to compare with you. We love you and we thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.